0: All right, if you would turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Title of today's message, Are You Wearing Your Armor? Are You Wearing Your Armor? Ephesians, chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 17. Told you to turn to it. I got to turn to it as well. Ephesians, chapter 6. Verses 10 through 17. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able <coughs> to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and after done all having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation of the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks, the armor, putting on the armor of God, divine armor, be able to be what? To stand against the schemes of the evil ones, Satan and his forces. And man, you know, the thing is, we have to be careful about this. Because it's in the spiritual realm, so you can't see it. So often we'll get busy in everyday life with all the busyness of life, and we we'll kind of forget man, we are in a war zone each and every day. We need to focus on that, so we're prepared for that. We need to make sure we have on that armor each and every day. We talked about last week of what putting on the belt of truth, and today we're gonna to be looking at putting on the belt of righteousness. This blessed plate of righteousness points towards what two things points to the gift of God's righteousness to us. The gift of righteousness given by God to Christians and also to Christians living a righteous life. Those two things. First of all, the gift of righteousness given by God. If you remember, Paul was in prison at this time, so he had Roman soldiers around him. And he would, of course, be looking at the armor they wore. And he starts using those to help, what, see a spiritual application of that. Those were symbolic of the spiritual armor we need wear and that would include the breastplate of righteousness and it would go from the neck right the base of the neck all the way down to right above the thighs to protect those vital organs within that area and uh, especially the heart now the people in those days they looked at those organs differently than we do today and uh, they looked at those as being the seat of affections the seat of one's desires of the feelings the emotions, the conscience, the will. However, really when Paul is looking at the shoulder here, he really is alluding back, he's going back to what? The Old Testament, Isaiah. In book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 17 and 18. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 17 and 18 says what? For he, this is the divine warrior, God himself put on righteousness as a breastplate a helmet of salvation on his head and put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression and Jacob says... So he's bringing redemption to his people. And he's also, we see him fighting against what? Unrighteousness. The divine warrior, God, fighting against unrighteousness. But there was a problem. There was a problem. What was the problem. God's people, the Israelites, they too were unrighteous. Amen? They too were unrighteous. But praise God in the New Testament, we see God's solution to that with his own people. Romans 5, 17 tells us this. For if by will the one man's offense, Adam, death reigns through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the what? Gift of righteousness will reign through the one Jesus Christ. Also tells us in Romans chapter three, verses 22, righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. And then Romans 5, one, therefore having been faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need God's righteousness, amen, because we are all sinners, sinners in and of ourselves. Righteousness that we get is what? Is a gift from God. The righteousness we need is a gift from God. It's called what? Imputed righteousness. It's called imputed righteousness. Also, this relates to what? Justification by faith, justification by faith. We're going to get into this. A little hard to explain, but bear with me. I'll try to explain it. And uh, but we're all what hopeless sinners, and we all stood condemned before God. Amen. As hopeless sinners, and and that's not rectified by what? Well, I'm going to try to do better. Let me let me really put my all into it now. And I'm going to try to be righteous. Uh-uh. Because God's standard is what absolute perfection. So we were hopeless in and of our self we were doomed until one that came that what could meet that standard amen and that was jesus christ himself and only jesus christ fully god fully man without sin and what there could pay for our sins on that cross at calvary we are then we who are guilty are declared not guilty because what those sins were paid for by jesus he took our place on that cross at Calvary. Romans 8, 1 tells us this. There, well, excuse me. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then verse 33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, that is e- who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us it's kind of like a man having an unpayable debt let's say it's even trillions of dollars trillions of dollars that one man owes on his account now how are you gonna pay that (laughs) you would not be able to pay that but what if somebody did come and pay that amen his debt would be gone it would be wiped clean and he started thinking about that debt it's gone. Well, think about Christ paid a debt for us that was far greater than a trillion dollar debt. Amen? Our sin debt. We may not realize that, but it was a far greater debt than our than a trillion dollar debt is our sin debt. And Jesus paid that. Now, but you start thinking about that debt, that trillion dollar debt, not only is it gone, but what if what? Also you looked at that account in a trillion dollar what to the plus. A trillion dollars to the plus. Like, wow, not only is that gone, I don't have to pay that, but now a trillion dollars. To my benefit, to my account, and see, think, not all of our, it's not only that all of my sins were forgiven in Christ, but in terms of be accepted before God, we need to be what deemed perfectly righteous, deemed perfectly righteous before God, and so how do you do that? Well, God takes care of that too. For what He imputes the righteousness of Christ to our account. So not only has our sin debt been paid for, Amen. We're forgiven, but we're not just. What? Morally neutral. Now in God's sight, we are righteous as Christ is righteousness because His righteousness has been given unto us. Now we haven't been made righteous yet, amen? We all still sin. We've not been made righteous yet. One day we will when we stand before Him, when we see Him as He is, what well, we will be as He is, amen? We will be made righteous one day, but not yet. We still sin. But get this. God, the judge over all, has declared us righteous in his eyes. He's the judge, amen. He's the one who can declare. And now he declares us righteous because what? He's imputed the righteousness of Christ, his son, to us, to our account. So get this. In our standing before God, he sees his son righteousness, his son's own righteousness, and not our unrighteousness. Philippians 3.9 tells us this. And he be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is what? Through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God. We are declared by the judge of the universe to be not guilty and righteous before him because of what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. So now we've been declared righteous in Christ before God. So even though we still do things that are unrighteous, amen, every single one of us We still sin. Amen? And if you don't think so, come see me. We've got to talk this out. Each and every one of us still sin. Not as much as we used to before we say, but we still do sin. And now get this. Satan is an accuser of true Christians. He calls what? Accuser of the brethren. One of his names is accuser. Attacking us for our, at times, unrighteous actions. Sometimes our sins. And therefore, we need to be what? Wearing the breastplate of righteousness knowing that the righteousness that makes us acceptable before god is not our righteousness but the righteousness of jesus christ imputed to us and let me tell you boy is satan good at his job at accusing he's very good at his job accusing us example maybe you go to pray and you get on your knees and i do encourage you if you can i know some can't <laughs> if you can at times get on your knees before the lord You know, it's your submission before him. It just kind of gets the proper attitude when you get on your knees before the Lord. And you get on your knees before the Lord and you start to pray. And all of a sudden in your mind, and let me tell you, the devil will try to interfere with your prayers. He and his forces. And and so you get on your knees and all of a sudden, all of a sudden comes to mind these sinful things you've done in the last week or so. And it's like, wow, maybe one sin you've done more than once. And and it's like, now, how can you, in your mind, how can you come for a just and perfectly holy God after what you've been doing? How can how can you deserve to have your prayers answered after all that you've done? And that's what you need to what? Then have on the breastplate of righteousness. And say, hey, devil, it ain't my righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. That's the only way I can come in here, what? And be heard in him in prayer. In fact, get this. If you ever think, well, you know, I've been too pretty good in my walk lately, I think, man, I man, I, I'm starting to have some victory here. I'm starting, and Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer now, thinking and start thinking you deserve him to answer it. Let me tell you this. Guess what? Don't count on him answering it. Amen? (laughs) Because there's no way we ever just, you can only come based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2 again says, therefore, what? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, what? We have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God. We can boldly come into the throne room of grace because of the righteous of Jesus Christ that's been imputed to us. Our Christian life is to be absolute dependence on the Lord Jesus and his righteousness. Another way the accuser may come at you and me is, is uh, you commit a sin. Maybe one that you consider extra sinful. Extra sinful. And the devil says, how can you be saved and commit such a sin as that? How dare you think you're saved when you commit a sin such as that? But praise God, that's when you have the breastplate of righteousness on, amen? Because it's not my righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that saves you and keeps you saved, amen? It keeps you saved as well. I used to work with a guy, a nice guy, and actually we were kind of friends, and and older fellow, and... uh, He's passed away since then, but it was a Sandy Cooper. And and we used to talk, he was a leader in his church, wasn't a pastor, he was a leader. And he thought you could lose your salvation. He thought you could lose your salvation. And so we'd have some discussions on that. And uh, because I know we can't if you're truly saved. And uh, he said, well, what about this? He said, you know, if you can lose, if you can't lose your salvation, why don't you just keep on sinning? That's what keeps me from out sinning because I don't want to lose my salvation. I said, well, let me tell you, folks, let me tell you, and I won't say his name, let me tell you, I said, uh, the reason I don't want to sin against God is, one, he will discipline me, amen, I'm his child. But that's not the main reason. The main reason I don't want to sin to God is because I love him, amen. That's the reason I don't want to sin against All he's done for me by dying on that cross for me and understanding the love of God and that love relationship we had. that's why I don't dare want to sin. That's the last thing we want to do is sin against this one who died for us. That's the reason I don't want to sin against God. So the breastplate of righteousness gives us confidence when the devil attacks. It gives us an assurance of salvation when the devil attacks. And why is that so important to have that assurance of salvation? Well, uh, it tells us in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, verse 10. Go ahead and check, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, Then he said to him, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is a holy to the Lord, and get this, do not sorrow for the what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. How do you have strength? It's what? Joy in the Lord. And how are you going to have joy in the Lord if you don't have assurance of salvation? Amen? If you really don't know sure if you're saved or not, how are you going to really have the joy of the Lord? Now, some more reasons why it's so important to have on the breastplate of righteousness. A lot of people base their whole Christian walk on feelings. There's a good many that do that. They base their Christian walk on feelings. And if they feel the presence of God, they're good to go. They're excited. They're happy and amen when you feel the presence of God. I'm right there with you. It's, one, it's easy to do that when you're feeling the presence of God. But then maybe they have a dry season and they're not really feeling the presence of God. And oh boy, they can get so discouraged and they get this, you know, oh my goodness gracious, what's wrong and this and that. And, and yet they're still seeking the Lord. It's not like they're not seeking the Lord, but they're not, they're still having that dry season. And they start wondering what's going on and they get discouraged and everything, but it's all based on their feelings. Uh, wonder what, Lord, and somebody even start to doubt their salvation. Went, Am I truly, truly saved? Because I'm not feeling the presence of God anymore. Others may have had some experiences in their life where they feel the presence, just a special experience with God, maybe a divine encounter. And man, it's just so awesome. And, and, they all, and their whole Christian life was based on that one encounter or a couple of encounters they had with the Lord. But then they go through a very dry season of their walk with the Lord and they're not experiencing his presence. And, and they're like, you know, and they can start doubting if that was years before. Did I re- is that true what I experienced? What they're basing their Christianity, when it's gone, you know, that feelings are gone, they're left with nothing. They're left with nothing. Now, let me tell you, let me shoot first this, let me get this across first. True Christianity includes more than the head, amen? It includes the heart, amen? It's got to be the heart. And so will it include great feelings? Amen. Amen. Would include encounters with the Lord and just, man, maybe joy that you, man, that you didn't even know existed. Peace. Amen. And there's some wonderful things as you experience God, as you walk with God. Amen. It includes that. Some more than others, but it would include at least some of that, some feeling. You don't experience the presence of God without some feelings. Amen. You experience, you're going to have some feelings. So, amen, if you walk with the Lord, you will have feelings of the presence of God and different things like that. It will include that. And if you don't have that, I'd be worried. I'd be worried if I was you, if you never had any of that. However, true Christianity is not to have its foundation based on feelings. That's not to be the foundation of your Christian life. Feelings come, feelings go. Amen? Don't want to have your life based on feelings. And feelings sometimes can just be based on what physical issues you're going through. That can affect your feelings. I mean, it's all intertwined. And I believe most every pastor's experienced people telling them they don't feel much anymore in their walk with the Lord, and then they're discouraged, they're depressed, and some may even doubt their salvation. And what's the answer to that? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. This wonderful hymn says this. There you go. There you go. My hope is built on what? Nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. In other words, my experiences, my feelings, I dare not trust in that. But wholly lean on what? Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand. Amen. Lean on Jesus righteousness the breastplate don't lean what on your feelings and your experience they're great they'll be a part of your christian law but don't lean on don't let that be the foundation of your christian life another way of putting it don't lean on the subjective lean on the objective the subjective is emotions and feelings and all the rest again that's a wonderful part of christianity amen thank god for that but don't lean on that. You lean on the objective, God's truth, his truth that stands rock solid, that's Christ's righteousness, not your righteousness. He did it all for you on that cross of Calvary, and you're trusting in him by faith, amen? That's what you stand on in your Christian life. Otherwise, the devil could come in and mess with you. That's what you always should stand on. He wants us to what? Not walk by feelings, but walk by faith, amen? Don't walk by feelings, but walk by faith faith. Enjoy the feelings. Amen. Praise God for those feelings. It's a wonderful part of the Christian life, but don't make them the foundation of your faith. You know, you could even get possibly to the point of spiritual depression, which can be brought on again by physical depression, tremendous trials, suffering, and the like. Put on the breastplate of righteousness in those times, knowing that God loved you so much that He had His Son die on that cross. Always view when you're going through an extremely tough times, view it through the cross. Whether or not God loves you was settled on that cross 2,000 years ago. Amen? Sometimes circumstances will happen. Say, I don't understand. Why am I going through this? Praise God again. Look at it through the cross. That shows you how much he loves you. You were justified, declared righteous because of what Jesus did on that cross. And then I have to put it in. I only have a number more times I'll be putting this in. Romans 8, 28. And we know what? That all things, not some, not most, all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, Satan may attack saying, if God really saved you, you do better than what you're doing. If you ever had that, you know. Your walk, you start just kind of, and it'll attack you. Maybe you should love more than you love. You're not that to love it. You know, you're not a very loving person. And, you know, you're, you're not doing good in your walk with the Lord. You're not doing it. And just kind of in general, just feeling like beat up and just kind of accused and condemned. Let me give you something that helped me years ago. I remember when I was, uh, started off walking with the Lord, man, I was on fire for the Lord. And uh, and really just taking off my walk is just amazing. It's just, man, I didn't know life could be like that. And the Satan wasn't gonna sit by, amen. When I was on fire like that. And, and so he came in and I started feeling, and I was really wanting to be like Christ. Oh, I longed to really be like Christ. And I was seeking to obey him with every every every, every little thing. And, and just, and then I started feeling condemned because I wasn't measuring up. Amen. And none of us fully measure up to Christ, amen. But back then, man, I was so long to. And I said, the closer I got to him, the more I started, how far short I fell of him, amen, and his standard of righteousness. And I'm like, and I was feeling so condemned, and just in general, I just, man, I just felt bad about myself and this and that. I went to talk to a pastor who ended up being a mentor of mine, and he said, get this, and maybe this will help you in your walk. It helped me a lot, because Satan likes to use this on certain people especially. The devil loves to condemn you. You're not doing good, and and he does it in general. You know, just in general, you're stink, you're, you're not doing good, you're not doing good at all, you're you're a miserable person, you don't deserve it, you know, all these kind of things. And he condemns you in general. What Jesus says, or through the Holy Spirit, what he convicts you specifically. Give me the example. Again, you know, be just like, well, the devil is like, you feel beat up. You're, like, you're just not doing as good. You're not being like Christ like you should. And you're just, in general, just you're beat up and just not doing good. And that's how you feel. And it's just kind of, kind of like driving you home. wanting not you get discouraged and quit? Because you just can't measure up. Just in general, he wants to condemn you. Whereas this God, and this has helped me a lot, he's going to be very specific. Like maybe, you know what you said to your spouse earlier this morning? That was not a good thing. And you need to what? Go and ask her for forgiveness. And you need to ask me for forgiveness for doing that to my daughter. And then you ask forgiveness, what? It's gone as far as east from the west. You can specifically, you can repent of something like that, amen? And then what? Okay, get on the right track again, amen? See, it's very specific, so you can repent of it and get on the right track. And it's a conviction. It's not so much why he's beating you up. It's not beating you up at all. He's convicting you. It's like your eyes are open. And wise, that goes for you as well. That could happen. I see some of y'all looking at your husbands. Uh, that, can go, that can go for you as well. And, uh, but you know, you sit there. And so it's specific. And it's, it's really not like, it's not, I've never, with God, it's not like he's beating me up. It's like my eyes are open to what I did wrong. I say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Wow, I didn't see that. And, and say, Lord, forgive me. And then what? Amen, it's done. It's done. It's taken care of. But over here with Satan, and I've seen this with other Christians as well. They just feel condemned and beat up, and and can't put a, a pin, You know, can't figure out exactly what it is, but they just and they're condemned. Where you just want to quit. That's the devil, folks. Understand that difference. That can be very, very helpful in this battle that we have when you're serious about following the Lord. So, wearing the best way of righteousness has to do first with understanding that our righteousness is a gift from God. Our righteousness is a gift from God. Next and last, wearing the breastplate of righteousness also, though, includes living a more righteous life. It includes living a more righteous life, not to get saved or to stay saved, but because you are saved, you're to live a more righteous life. When saved, you've got a new nature, Amen. There's been a change, a radical change. So. So radical, what? We're new creations in Christ Jesus, amen? God himself has come to dwell on the inside of you. And me. we are born again from above. Is that a radical change or what? And so there should be a change in us, amen? So the Holy Spirit of God is there to do what? What's his name? Holy Spirit, to make you holy, amen? To make you more like Christ. So there should be a change in your lifestyle after you are truly, truly saved. He's working that in you but we still have a choice to make. We need to choose with the Holy Spirit's enablement pursue righteous living, righteous conduct, always choosing to do what is right. Paul makes this clear earlier in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 and he says this, put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness. And hold on, put off that old man and put on the new man in Christ Jesus. And there's a connection between the two, the belt of truth that we talked about last week in the blessed prayer of right, there's a connection there. Because through the belt of truth, what? The word of Almighty God, we know God's standard of righteousness, amen? How do we determine what's right and wrong? Well, you always go back to the word of God. That's how you know what is right versus what is wrong. See, when it comes to spiritual warfare, demons hate righteousness. They hate, they're repelled at righteousness. They love what is wrong. Oh, they love what is wrong. They love what is sinful. They're drawn to what is wrong. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be sitting in my room at night and ready, getting close to bedtime. And and some night, every now and then, I'd hear this this scream. I mean, just a scream from one of the bedrooms next to me. and it's like, I mean, almost like a bird, blood-curdling scream. Not quite that bad, but it was I mean, a big scream. And you know what it was? One of my sisters had seen a roach. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. And I was the young, I, was, I had three older sisters, and it was me, and I was the young one. I'd have to go in there with a shoe and try to kill that roach. Amen? That was the scream. And my wife hates roaches too, but thank goodness she doesn't scream when she sees one. She doesn't, she doesn't scream. <clears throat> and let me tell you, and nobody likes roaches. If you do, something's wrong with you. We don't like roaches. Uh, but if you don't want roaches, make sure you don't have a lot of trash hanging around. Amen? Don't have a lot of trash hanging around if you don't want roaches. Far worse than roaches are demons. Far worse than roaches are demons. And they're drawn to that which is trashy. They're drawn to that which is wrong. <clears throat> when you're doing wrong, That which is immoral, that which is impure, that which is sinful, you what? Or you're inviting demons into your life. They're drawn to that. You're creating an environment that they will be drawn to. They can then get a hold in your life. And I remind you, if you let them get a hold, a place in your life, what do they want to do in your life? It says in John 10.10, it says this. The thief, the Satan, and his forces do not come except to do what? Steal and destroy. That's what they want to do in your life. Whereas Jesus came, what? That you may have life and have it more abundantly. When doing wrong, you're inviting those in your life that only want to steal God's best from you and bring destruction in your life and the lives of those around you. Instead, righteousness has to do with making the right decisions before God based on what? The objective truth of God's word the objective truth of it, and invites the favor of God. Therefore, make sure you're basing your decisions on what is right versus what's wrong based on what God says. There are so many opinions out there on what is right and wrong. Man, there's so many opinions. And really, as one said, there's really two answers to every question. Two answers to every question. It's what God's answer is and what everybody else's is. And all those is wrong. All theirs is wrong. It's always God. God is the one that gives you what is right. We have to be careful as Christians. We can even be talking to other Christians and everybody's sharing their opinions. And so often we like to share our opinions. Talking about moral issues of the day. It can even be happening in a, what, Christian group setting, a Sunday school class and the like. And we start talking about our opinions, about right or wrong. And one says, well, I think this. And another says, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that, but I think this. You know, is it good to have discussion? Amen. In fact, you know, the more discussion, the more interaction, it says the more impact. So amen, we do need to open it up to discussion. But as we get into that discussion, especially as we move towards the solution, where do we need to go to? The Word of God. Amen. Always go. To the Word of God. I always say, Well, what does the Word of God say about this? What does the Word of God say? And said, well, I think it says this. I don't care what you may think it says. We need to find out what does it say? Amen. What does the word say about what we're talking about? That's what we go to. And even then, it'd be helpful to then what? Go and look at that passage and make sure you got the context right, amen. Because, boy, we take a lot of the Bible out of context. I don't think we realize that. A lot of it, I find out what the context, what it says based on that context as well. So many people, including Christians, want to add their human perspective on matters, their thoughts, their feelings, but really all that matters is God's perspective, his view, that's what it comes down to. When Jesus was tempted by the devil himself, and let me tell you, i said it before, I don't think the devil's tempted anybody in here personally because he can only be at one place at one time. And I think there's seven, billion, almost 7 billion people in the world. He ain't got time for us, folks. But he's got his demons that will come and mess with us. But devil himself tempted Jesus. He comes, he comes with these temptations, and he's sitting there. Jesus could have what? Okay, come on, buddy. You want to debate? I'll debate you. And start doing philosophical arguments with him. Jesus didn't do that, did he? Didn't do that at all. What do he say each time? Three temptations. It is written. Said this and said, it is written. Settle that issue. Another temptation. Jesus says, it is written. Next temptation, it is written. That's all Jesus did. He goes straight to scripture of the Old Testament. That's what they had at that time. And temptation. Always big bad. He didn't sit there and debate with him. I imagine he could have done very well in a debate with him. He didn't sit there and debate with him. He just went, it is written. didn't give all his opinions. Uh-uh. It It is written. It is written. Then Satan what? Try to get tricky. Use some scripture himself. Uh-uh. He's correct and used use the proper scripture for that temptation. And then what? It is written. It is written. It is written. And folks, we need to do better than what we do. And turn our discussions about what is right and wrong. And make sure we're going to the word of God. Amen? Make sure we're looking at the word of God. Knowing what it says about the situation. And standing on that. Standing on that. We need to do like our master did. Amen? We need to make sure we do like our master did. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness is choosing right actions. And get this, choosing right actions, even when it appears it's going to cost you for doing so. I'm going to do right regardless of the consequences. I'm going to do right. So many will say, yeah, I know the right thing to do was this. And they go, but. I couldn't because. Wait a minute, you could. You just chose not to. Say, yeah, but it might have cost me a relationship with somebody that's close to me. And I didn't want to lose that relationship. So I did what was wrong. Mm. Let me tell you. You may say something that may cost you initially, but it's going to cost you more down the road when you do wrong, amen? That sin, whenever you choose sin, let me tell you, it's going to cost you probably in ways you never even thought of. Let me tell you, this happens all the time. It happens all the time. People in church as well. And they say, I know the right thing to do is, and they go, but... They start looking at what it may cost them, a relationship, maybe even a job that provides for the family. And they go, huh, huh. I know. And they go, but. Wow, are they making a mistake? Because you know what? Sometimes it doesn't cost you like you thought it would. I know two times I got tested. I won't get into it. Two times I got tested that I thought each time it was going to cost me a relationship with somebody extremely close to me, extremely, family member, extremely close to me. And it didn't. Thought it might but it didn't. Two of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was to do something where I thought it might cost those relationships. And praise God, it didn't. But even if it did, I still needed to do it. Amen? Not that I've been perfect in all this, but those two times. You'll be tested on this. We choose right even when it's going to cost you. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness, choosing right actions, again, even if you think it's going to cost you. And get this, there's power in a righteous life. There's power in a righteous life. There was a sportsman many years ago, and he got the opportunity to play golf. This was many years ago with Gerald Ford when he was president. Amen. That was a long time ago. Billy Graham and Jack Nicholas. This is not a joke. This is real. And so it was, he got to play with them. And so he, and he, he was nervous about it because he played with Jack Nicholas before, but he never played with Billy Graham and, and Gerald Ford the president. And so he plays with him. And so he sees a buddy of his afterwards and his buddy says, how'd he go? And all of a sudden, man, he just started cursing. He said, and it just ripping, just, just I mean, just cursing, all this curse words coming. And he said, and that Billy Graham trying to stuff his religion down my throat. And he's sitting there and, and all of a sudden he stormed off, went to the driving range He was sitting there just trying to kill the balls, you know, just so mad and just hitting and hitting and hitting, necks bulging, his veins are bulging his neck. Friend follows him there and, sits there watching for a while, and after a while, the guy gets kind of tired, and kind of gets relaxed a little bit, and, and finally the friend comes in and says, so Billy Graham gave you a rough time, huh? And he goes, he kind of starts getting embarrassed, he goes, no, really, he didn't say anything about religion. He didn't say a word about religion. He said, I had a bad round, but he didn't say a thing. So, John, what do you think caused him to react that way? Why, why would he bring up that Billy Graham was trying to shove his down throat when he didn't even bring anything up like it. Let me tell you, it's the power of a righteous life, amen? Because Billy Graham represented Christianity. He identified with Christianity. His walk was righteousness. And let me tell you, even if he didn't have to say a thing, that guy came under conviction, amen? And he didn't like it. He did not like it at all. Didn't have to say a word. Boy, did it have an impact. Powerful is the life that has the righteous that is from above, not trusting in their own righteousness, but the one from above, righteousness from above, and lives it out, depending on God to do so. Second Corinthians two fifteen and sixteen tells us this: For we are God, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, Amen. Also among those who are perishing. However, we see this: To the one, we are the aroma of death, what leading to death because they know where they're headed if they stay in their sin, to the other, the aroma of life, leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. Righteous living is a mighty weapon in the hands of God against Satan and his forces. And I want to ask you today, are you wearing the breastplate of righteousness each and every day throughout the day? Are you wearing the breastplate of righteousness? It's not only, you know, it's the only way, it's the only way, to live a life of victory, amen, to live a life of victory in the battle that we are in. It's the only way to really enjoy the abundant life we can have in Christ Jesus, this life of love and joy and peace. But most of all, most of all, it's the only way we're gonna live a life that brings glory to God, to this one, this glory to this one who died on that cross for you and for me. Does he deserve it? Oh, he deserves to live a life that would bring glory to him. Let's pray. When I want to ask you in prayer. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks. Are you every day aware of the battle that you're in, that we're in? Are you really aware of that? Are you ensuring that you're wearing your armor? Are you really wearing your armor? Are you focused on that each and every day? Father, I just pray that you help it to sink in. How crazy it is not to. How crazy it is to go against these forces, these mighty forces of Satan and his forces. Lord, to go against them, go in this, and not be... Lord, let it sink in. Are you wearing your belt of truth? Are you wearing your belt of truth? Are you seeking to know the truth of God? Really seeking to know the whole truth of God? Being in the Word, being a student of the Word. Really going throughout the Scripture regularly, throughout the whole Scripture. Seeking to know it and apply it to your life. Are you really being a student of the Word? So you'll know the truth and not be deceived. By Satan, who's the great liar, he loves to work through deception. Are you putting on the belt of truth, making sure? By doing that, you need to be a student of the word of God. How can we be like Jesus and say, it is written, it is written, it is written, if we don't know what is written? Are you really being a student of the word of God? If not, you can be easy deceived by the liar, Satan, the great debater, Satan. are you wearing the breastplate of righteousness trusting not in your own righteousness but only in the righteousness of jesus christ trusting not in your feelings not trusting in some experience but instead basing the foundation of your life on jesus christ and his righteousness alone Understanding that your justification before God only comes through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross for you and for me. Lord, help us in that. Lord, I want to thank you. I I thank you for the feelings I've had as I've walked with you for decades now. I thank you for the experiences I've had. They've been tremendous at times. And Lord, they've been instrumental in my life, but Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've taught me that the foundation of my Christian life should not be based on that, but based upon Jesus Christ and him alone and what he did for us on that cross. And today also, are you putting on the best plate of righteousness by truly seeking to live a righteous life as you depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to start to do so? Are you choosing to do what is right even if you think it's going to cost you and maybe cost you dearly? Are you dedicated to doing right regardless? You compromised here lately with righteousness. Compromised in terms of, uh, you know, compromised with sin. Given in to sin because it was going to cost you if you didn't. If so, say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. Lord, help me every day to wear that breastplate of righteousness. Lord, I pray you help all of us to realize the power of a righteous life. We're really seeking to be like Jesus Christ in a dark and dark world. To be in the light of this dark, dark world that we live in. Oh, Lord, help us to realize that's why you've left us here. Otherwise, we could be at home in heaven. Man, talk about joy and peace. That's what we could be experiencing now. We could be home. But you've left us here to be the light in this dark world. And Lord, help us. Convict us. Whenever we're allowing any type of immorality, any type of impurity in our lives, convict us, Lord, of that. We're called to a high calling. Oh, thank you for that high calling. To represent you. Lord, help us to take that so seriously. So seriously. Lord, help us to realize how much it hurts you when we compromise when it comes to sin. Oh, how it hurts you. How it grieves your heart. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to realize that. I don't think we realize that much, Lord. How it grieves you. We really don't seek to live that righteous life that we bring glory to you like after is after all you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll sing the invitation just a minute. Maybe you can't put on the breastplate of righteousness because you don't have that armor available to you. You've never been justified by faith. You've never truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Until you do so, what? You're still guilty before God. You're gonna suck, what? You're gonna suffer the wrath of God. You'll end up in hell forever and ever. Have you ever truly trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And make sure you don't keep waiting, well, maybe one day, because you never know what's gonna be your day when you leave this earth and then it's too late. The time for salvation is today. Don't wait another day. The devil and the demons, oh, they want to keep you. Oh, they want to keep you from trusting in Jesus as Lord and say, oh, because misery loves company. They know where they're going to be and they want you to be there with them. And they want to what? And they know God loves you and they want, you're part of his creation and they want to keep you from experiencing what God has for you. And it hurts God's heart when you choose hell over heaven. Until you receive this salvation, you have chosen hell over heaven. It's your choice. If you've never chosen Salvation through Christ Jesus. Will you not do so today? As we come down front, I invite you to come down front. I'll help you in trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Others, it may just be you want to come to the altar and pray today. It may come and just need prayer for something in your life. Whatever it may be, as we sing the invitation, as the Lord leads, I invite you to come.